Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by the Pros Pros and Insurance. That would be Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Uh, insurance more important than ever. Auto, home, life, business, you might need bundles. They'll do everything they can to save you money. All at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. And you can go to purdyinsurance.com. Great people, great pros. I mean, really, it's a great combination to have. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. It's a fabulous lineup of new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. Backed up by the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so let's uh, get to our play-by-play call of the day. Lamar Jackson just flat out didn't see him. Jackson. Stays in the block. Jackson fires, and that will be intercepted in the end zone by Johnson. Karen Johnson. And only Jackson can stop him now. Too late to the end zone. Touchdown. Johnson had a pick six against Roethlisberger in one of the Pittsburgh games this year. And what a play on a third and goal. Al Michaels with a call on NBC. In a game that didn't really have a lot of juice to it. It really was not exactly... uh, I mean, if you're a Buffalo fan or you're a Baltimore fan, you're riveted. If you are a casual fan, you're like, okay, when's something going to happen? Josh Allen didn't have a great game. Lamar Jackson didn't do much of anything. And that was the one play. All right. Let's bring in Mark Wogenrich, SI.com. It is always a pleasure to have my friend on the show. Mark, welcome back. Great to have you with us. I appreciate it very much, too, Steve. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Uh, what were the um, what were the initial two or three bullet point takes that you had out of today? Um, offense, 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 pretty much. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of other important things that he he discussed, but it really centered on the offensive coordinator and how he felt. How James Franklin felt now was the time um, to pursue Mike Yersich. That I think that it just sounded like that their paths didn't necessarily cross it the way they did this year that they you know they've spoken in the past and they've you know kind of developed a relationship 
over the years when Yersich was at Oklahoma State and then Ohio State and last year maybe he maybe they wanted um or maybe James Franklin wanted to pursue that Mike Yersich was at Texas didn't work and they had their opening this year and I think I think James probably feels um it sounds like he feels a little bit more comfortable that this is the offense that he wants to run in introducing and that's no slight to Kirk Sherrock. I think going back if you just look at the way he introduced Kirk Sherrock and the way he spoke about their offense that it felt like this was maybe more uh, or that was maybe more of a um, kind of a melding uh, mm-hmm. if you will that that was trying to combine two offenses and and blend and this seems to be more um, in line of what he wants to run with uh, Really, you know, his his main his his three bullet points were explosive plays, yep. um, limiting turnovers, and and scoring. Um, and you know, the turnovers were an issue last year. Explosive plays. I mean, they still led the Big Ten in pass plays of ten yards more. That's not necessarily their definition of explosive, but and you know, there's also situations that had to do with that. But I think he wants more of those big chunk plays, those like kind of game defining momentum plays. And then scoring with you know with Mike Gersich, you know I think half the games that he's been um, a coordinator in his career, his team to score 40 points or more. So he's you know that's the offense he wants to play, and he wants in the Big Ten. And I, I think in college football across the country, he saw it. You know he saw the two highest scoring offenses in the country play for the national championship. And I don't know that anybody thinks that um, that's a coincidence. Yeah, in fact, I think going into the game, somebody asked me what it would take for Ohio State to win the game. I said, look, in today's game, in a game like that, you have to score at least 40. I mean, I mean really, if you think about it realistically, the way it's played at that level, you got to score at least 40 in a game. And when I look at Mike Yurcich, one uh, the first thing I looked at was his red zone number and also the touchdown percentage number. And the red zone number was 84% with Sam Ellinger in Texas last year, and the touchdown percentage was pretty high as well. And that was an issue, definitely, for Penn State last year. I mean, it seemed like after every game we were asking, especially in the in the losing streak, what was going on in the red zone. And James Franklin always referred to the zones being squeezed and you know throwing lanes. You know, there's just less space, there's less time, there's less you know, or you know, space, time, and room uh, to throw in the red zone. And I think they he you know that is an essential element of you know of what he wants to do as well. And also one of the things is also spreading the ball, or he referenced several times spreading the ball to more players. I got the sense that, you know, at the end of the year, what they were doing with the quarterbacks is just not what, you know, that's not the offense he wanted to run. It was situational and it was needed at the time, but it's not the vision for his offense that he has. If you go back, you know, think of those offenses that we saw, especially, you know, under Ricky Ronnie too, but under Joe Moorhead, where, you know, guys might have a couple of catches a game, but they were huge. I mean, yeah. I always, I always think about like the Earl Charles catch against yeah Minnesota, Minnesota, that sort of thing. You know, it was basically, I think it was the only catch of the year. If he had, maybe have one more. But you saw a multiple number of players, and this was such a quarterback that second half of the year it was so quarterback heavy. Um, I think he just wants to take advantage. You get a guy like Jahan Dotson back, you want to use him, but then he's also got tight ends and multiple backs and things like that so I think that was you know that definitely uh, came out today as well uh, obviously you mentioned the quarterbacks uh, uh, in this and that of course goes to Sean Clifford first first of all it is still the guy that threw 23 touchdowns seven interceptions in 2019 now mm-hmm. and, and the 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 number of touchdowns to interceptions in the first 
eight games was the kind of ratio you can absolutely live with. What do you think Marquis needs to do to recapture that where the the mistake part is down and the production mm-hmm. part is up? It, it might just be necessarily the, the simple idea, and he referenced it last year, and that when he got into that stretch, when he got into that turnover stretch, it was him trying to be a hero. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it's called so, hero ball. Sometimes kind of you do try to do too much. You yeah. and I see it all the and time. You, yep. Yeah. You, I, I, can, I go back to that. The very first offensive series of the season against Indiana, he was – he was poised and polished and just led a really nice touchdown drive. Yep. And it kind of got away from him in situations after that, and he loses. You know, we've you know you've been all we've been all through all this sort of thing, but he loses you know important players on his offense. He's re, you know he's leaning on having installed an offense um, basically from his you know his house at home in Cincinnati and then his dorm and you know throwing passes to guys at high school field yeah. when he really should be a regimented thing all of that i think built to the point where it became a, you know, he felt an, an incumbency to do that if he can limit that in himself and get a you know and and, and get a full season or get a full preseason i mean um going into that if he can limit himself from doing that and not necessarily have to have the coaches do that for him and this you know kind of take the ball out of his hand he's got to you know he's got to be able to recognize when he's in that mode and and be able to get out of that mode um i still think he's there i i still think that like you mentioned that 2019 quarterback who won 11 games and then just did not turn the ball over to the rate that he did last year um is there, but it needs to. He needs to find his reins a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, what were a couple of other? I mean, look, this is an era where players uh, there's freedom of movement, so you transfer in, transfer out. How do you feel that, that the last four weeks played out between early signing period, people coming back, people opting for the draft? Only two, Frymuth and, and Oway. And the transfers they got. How do you feel this four weeks played out for Penn State? I think it sounds, you know, it sounds like Franklin was pleased, at least roster-wise. Um, the way it played out, a big one is getting John Dodson back. I think that was, you know, that yep. was imperative. Yep. You know, for an offense that, if you're going to transition, that's a really veteran, um, a veteran player that you're going to have in there. You want as many veterans as you could possibly have, and you know. If they don't make a move at quarterback, you still have a two-year starter there. Now you've got a three-year starter at you know and receiver in Jahan Dodson, and you give all those guys the experience last year. So you're gonna you know you're bringing back guys at least with some playing experience. That was really important. I think we mentioned this earlier in that the way they approached the transfer portal, they got older. Um, yep. By bringing in veteran players, that was important, and it just seems philosophically that James Franklin is not on board with the whole idea, the whole concept of college football free agency. And I would have, you know, I would have a hard time saying coaches who have been doing it for as long as he has at the level that he has are comfortable with that. But that doesn't mean that they're going to sit back and just allow other programs to do it while they, you know, kind of turn up their noses and say, this is not college football. They're going to be aggressive. I mean, James Franklin said today, you know we're going to be aggressive in pursuing players if they fit our program and 
that included quarterback. If there's going to be a quarterback out there who they feel can uh, can help, can step in, and you know, and more importantly, actually fit with the quarterback room, the offense, and the team, they're going to pursue it because you—that's how you win these days. I I think one thing he probably got out of last year is that hey, we conducted a, you know, we really should be proud that we conducted a full football season, played all nine of our games in nine consecutive weeks, and we made it through a pandemic year. Hey, that's great, but I think he still comes back to, and yet we still, you know, we won only four games. Right. And I think that really, that second half of it, um, that becomes the motivating factor now. You know, he learned a lot of stuff about how to conduct a program under stress. But he still wants to win games. And so when you get, you know, that, you know, stress is, you know, the portal and things like that are putting stress on rosters and personnel directors and things like that. So they're going to go into it. I mean, right. they absolutely are employing every measure they can. See, what's interesting about it is that I think the perception would be that if you are a program trying to, like, I've just been hired as a coach. I need mm-hmm. to get my roster better. So what happens is I go to the transfer portal to then try and close the gap of getting better as quickly as possible. And then you go to last year. I'm going back a year ago now. Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow mm-hmm. were three of the four starting quarterbacks in the college football playoff. They were all transfers. Right. Uh, so it's not, out, you know, but they were all in each one was in an exceptional circumstance. So when you look at a locker room and you have a guy that's been a two-year starter in there, how tricky is that of do I take a transfer? Because I've already got a guy that's been a two-year starter for me, and it's not exactly like the Cotton Bowl is not shabby. That has to be exceptionally tricky because, just just as you said, you've you've got an incumbent who has been there for two years and really you know a two-year starter is in college football even five years ago at quarterback is a de facto third-year starter right but to build on the point you made earlier a new coach is going to go to the transfer portal and get transfers to build his roster well franklin's in a position you know to try to get you know franklin's in a position now to get to the next level he's trying to enhance his roster as well right, as, yeah. exactly. He's not, yeah, he's not trying to be competitive anymore, at least in the competitive in the sense of, you know, 500 seasons and going to bowl games and things like that and and kind of rebuilding. He's done the rebuilding. Now he's trying to be competitive with the, with the teams that make the playoff, with the four teams that make the playoff and those primary teams that make the playoff like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. That's where he wants to go. And as you just, you know, you mentioned it perfectly. You know, three quarterbacks were transfer players. If you get that fit, you make the move. If you get the offensive coordinator you feel is the right guy at yep. the right time, you make the move. Yep. And that's he's, he's coaching. Yeah, he's coaching. An, he's coaching an NFL team in college, basically now. Right. So, and, I, and he did. He got the offensive coordinator. He felt that was the right mm-hmm. fit at the right moment. Yeah. And now, when it comes to the quarterback, LSU didn't have a quarterback. Oklahoma at that point did not have a quarterback, and we all know what the Ohio State quarterback situation was because the guy that probably would have been quarterbacking was quarterbacking LSU. So, so each one had openings. To me, to me, uh, it has to be exceptional. Penn State doesn't have the opening. 
It definitely, yeah, it has to be exceptional about that. And if they find somebody, that's, you know, on the other side, the, the player, you know, the quarterback who's going to transfer in, yeah. what is their motivation for transferring in? Are they transferring in to be a starter? Are they transferring in because they just don't see an opportunity where they are now? And with the bonus year of eligibility, and, you know, maybe they, they're comfortable with looking two years down the road. Well, uh, you know, he's got to take – this is not just bringing in a quarterback. It's just – it simply is not that exactly simple. Exactly right. You know, yeah. the, you know, they've got – they have to vet individually each that of the – you know, each option who may or may not be on the board as does he fit the offense – does he fit our, you know, does he fit our quarterback room? Does he fit our offense? Does he fit our team? And does he fit our future? Whether the future is next season or three years. And they yeah. may find, and Mike Yursich may look over mm-hmm. at James and say, you know what, Sean Clifford and Will and Will Levis fit exactly how I want to play. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. and uh, and that's you know, that's the, the conversation. Yeah, you may the right. two. You know, like that. They may be looking at that for next season, and then you know, Mike Yursich is going to start contacting younger quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks, wherever they may be, say, this is the kind of quarterback I'm looking for in our future. So. How do you feel about the, the quote, the game today? Because, the, you know, let's face it, the game is, obviously the recruiting part's critical, development's mm-hmm. critical, but the transfer part is also critical. The freedom of movement is is there. Name, image, and likeness is going to come into play. I mean, you and I have been around this a long time, Mark. So how do you feel about how that quote, that game is today? It's I'm really it's really interesting because we had a season of it with nobody in the stands. Nobody yeah. you know nobody so there was no there was no feeling of college football around the stadium on game day. That's right. There's just a definite feel. So I think if you you know, as you get re, you know, that removed that element of it for me. So it was when we were going to the stadium we were watching football games. Mm-hmm. That, you know, very well could have been Watching, you know, just hypothetically, it could have been a semi-pro team that we were watching. I'm not saying that it is, but I'm saying that could have been any kind of football you talk that about we the, were watching. Because yeah, the perception of it, yeah. Right, exactly. Because we, we just were not in a college environment with flags waving and tailgates going on and, 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 and all of that, the stuff that makes college football feel like college football. I think each one of these... Um, each one of these little elements, these incremental elements that we add, the fact that every single day I see the transfer portal update and then, you know, NIL legislation being um, tabled and the argument over whether it should be tabled. All of this is important. All of this is, is really important for the, I think the future of the game because you have to absolutely have to consider the future of the game. But we're making it feel, in my just my opinion, we're making it feel less like college football and maybe more like a commodity of football. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where the game has to go. I don't know, but I, I just saw it. I, I felt it last year. I said, you know, walking there, it's just this doesn't feel like college football singularly because of the pandemic and the fact that nobody's there. Is that going to change next year? Is is everything going to continuing moving down that road? Maybe that's good too. I, I'm not sure. What, say of it yet but all of that stuff all of that kind of change in the feel of it still feels it makes me a little wistful um, yeah. in some ways yeah mark always a pleasure thanks so much for your time it's always great talking with you i really appreciate hey, appreciate it so much yeah same thanks, here Steve. anytime mark Wogerich, si.com the first guest we've had on today that did not talk about the eagles coaching situation <laughs> that's right not, it was found refreshing. it refreshing. It was refreshing. Yeah. 
I'll throw out a few names for you, but some of them are no longer with us. Back with more in a moment. <laughs> on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, we'll hear parts of James Franklin's press conference in the final half hour of the show today. The final segment, Matt will uh, again reveal what he doesn't like about the current candidates for the Eagles head coaching job. It's become a very entertaining part of the show. Well, I'm glad everybody thinks that way. Well, Lisa and Luke don't. That is true. That might tell you something. All right. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I delayed for a moment just to allow Matt to take a deep breath. Oh, thank you. Because this eagle situation has transformed you into an on-air monster. <laughs> I mean, now I know why you're... Now I completely understand why your father had the gigantic bottle of Motrin. I mean, it's just... <laughs> holy mackerel. Yeah. It's just a coach. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, I mean, the list of people you want fired. And yet on the list of people you want fired, I ask you, who do you want to keep? You said the suit. I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) Merrill, he's the only one I keep. Have I taught you nothing? Uh, all right, James Franklin today is a press conference. It was the right day to have it because this is the final day you can declare, by the way, for the NFL draft. So Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Jerry Rucker, all from uh, from Ohio State declared today. Uh, so this is the last day you can do it. It's always a week. It's always, just so you know, it's always a one week after the national championship game. 
So that's how it works. So here is, uh, he made one, you know, for Penn State, look, the four weeks to me, I said to Jack Ham on the phone the day before letter of intent day. So it was Tuesday the 15th, right around there. So Jack and I were talking. And I knew I had to go in the next morning to Lash to be a part of the presentation of the of the signing class. And I said, Jack, look, the next four weeks, I said, sets everything up for 21 to 22 as far as I was certain. I said, let's see how this four weeks plays out. So in that four-week span, this is how it played out. Pat Fryermuth, when he declared he was coming back last year, I think you had to make the absolute assumption that that was going to be his last year at Penn State. And in fact, I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised that, you know, that he never opted out. So Pat plays, and what Pat play four games in the season, ended up still being first team All Big Ten won the Qualic Award, Qualic uh, Clark Award, as the top tight end. And he opts for the draft. He should opt for the draft. Pat is more than ready. And he will be a really good NFL player. The next guy in that list you looked at was Jason Oway. And you said, you know, hey, look, if this guy turns in the kind of season we think he's capable of having, he would be another guy that you'd look at and say, you know what? He'll probably opt for the draft. No surprise he opted for the draft. Totally expected, and he should be going to the draft. He should be. At this stage of his life, his career, the opportunity to make money, I think he'll be he can put himself athletically into a great draft position. In the end, that's what it's about. So two guys that you expected to enter the draft and should have entered the draft, and I would have strongly encouraged to enter the draft, did. The expected. The part you didn't know about was which players would opt to come back from the senior class. Now, I expected no players back opting for a sixth year. That is not what I was, that's not what I was thinking. So I wasn't thinking about Shaka Tony. I wasn't thinking about Antonio Shelton. I wasn't thinking about Michael Mennon or Will Fries. I didn't expect anybody back for a sixth year. Now, it turns out Shelton's going to take a sixth year, but he's going to do it at Florida. Fine. Good for Antonio. I think it's great. Now the question was going to be, of that group who had come back, um, fully expected Lamont Wade four years to go to the draft, did. Brisker, I sat back, and when I started hearing rumblings that he he very well could come back, I thought, wow, what a gigantic bonus, because this would be his third year in the program. I thought, what a huge bonus should this be true. And it turned out it was. Then, of course, then of course, uh, before that, about Tariq Castro-Fields. Uh... And it, with Tariq Castro feels, I thought, boy, the way it played out for him, and I and I think a lot of people know how much I personally like Tariq Castro feels uh, as a player, but also as a person. Um, I thought, boy, I know how badly he wants to make the league. I said, but another year could really help him 
because he didn't get enough pointing time this year. He opted to come back. Wow. Then after that, Brisker did. Wow. Jahan Dotson, that was another one you weren't sure about. Wow. Came back. Rasheed Walker, left tackle. Wow. Came back. So now the dominoes are falling into place to go with a recruiting class on December 16th that have several players in it that I think can contribute in some form. I didn't mean starters, but contribute in some form quickly for this program. There are a lot of really good players that they they signed on, on the 16th. Really good. Then how would they do in transfers? They have four of them. All of them look to be immediate contributors. In the end, the four weeks... Then, of course, the move to Mike Yersich. Personally, I like Kirk Shiraka. I do. And I think Kirk is a pro's pro offensive coordinator. But moving forward, Mike Yersich is going to be the offensive coordinator. Well, Mike Yersich is a, to me, I've now looked at both Texas and Oklahoma State tape because I wanted to really see what he was doing. And I really like what I see, especially I like what he see what I see when it comes to what they want to do with the red zone. So now you combine all of that, and I don't think Penn State could have had a better four-week period to set up 21-22 than they just had. Now we'll see what the payoff is. So James talked about the move, especially on offense, hiring Mike Yersich. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Hope you're having a good start to the new year. Hey, what went into the decision to hire Mike Yersich and move on from Kirk Sharaka, and how quickly did all that play out for you and the staff? Yeah, so I think as you saw the process, the way it played out, it, it obviously happened. It happened pretty fast. Um, you know, Yersich is a guy that I've been in contact with and, and communicating with for, for a long time. And I think at the end of the day, it was a very tough decision, obviously. Uh, but philosophically, um, you know, I felt like it was the right thing for us to do uh, to get where we want to go and and play, um, you know, a style uh, on offense that that I think is going to be important for us to play in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, a lot of different ways. Whether it's you know whether it's um, you know our uh, our team and what we're going to have to do to be successful on the field in terms of uh, explosive plays, turnovers, um, and then obviously, you know, scoring points. You know, those things are, are the three most important things you're going to do on offense. Uh, how that impacts our locker room, how that impacts uh, recruiting, uh, all of it. So, uh, combination of all those things, but but a very tough tough decision but something that I felt like was the right thing for us to do uh, moving forward long-term. We'll go uh, with Parthi Paje from the Center Daily Times and then Nubias, you're on deck. Hey, Coach, hope you're doing well. Thanks for your time. You too, Parth. Do you feel like to a certain degree, maybe a lack of continuity with the coaching staff, you're bringing in a fourth offensive coordinator in five years, does that ever kind of hinder the development of some of your veteran players, you know, Sean Clifford included? Well, I, I think obviously in a perfect world, you'd love to have continuity, but I could also you know, state and show a number of examples 
of where that's not happening. You know, you look in college football, um, you know, that's just kind of the nature of the beast now. And, and don't get me wrong, we want as much continuity as we possibly can have. Um, but there's going to be there's going to be turnover in college football. I think for us, you know, one of the things that's a little bit different is is two of our uh, you know two of our situations have been for what I would deem as as positive movement guys that have gotten head coaching jobs. Um, you know, so there's going to be there's going to be a part of that. But yeah, I think your point is a good one. You'd like to have as much continuity as you possibly can have. Um, but I don't know if that is realistic in today's college football. New bias Wilborn, and then we'll go to Neil Rudell. Coach, um, what did you like about Kirk's offense and what didn't you like about Kirk's offense ultimately led to the decision? Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not gonna get into the specifics uh, about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about obviously, you know, where we're headed and, and focus on the on the future. But I got a tremendous amount of respect uh, for Kirk. Uh, I truly do. Obviously, a tough decision and a tough part of the business. It was a tough conversation to have. Uh, Kirk Kirk handled it extremely well, like he does everything. He's a total class act, um, and I wish I wish him nothing but the best. Um, but it, it more just has to do with um, philosophically how we want to play and. You know, I think the thing that I stated earlier about an emphasis on explosive plays, an emphasis on turnovers, and an emphasis on scoring points, they're the three most important things that, that you have to do on offense and specifically in, in current college football, the way this thing is trending. There's going to be games where you're going to have to score uh, 40 points. Um, you know, um, and, and 42-41 or 42-40 or whatever it may be. And those things are at a premium now probably more, more than ever. So, you know, th that's, that, that's really, you know, that's really, you know, the emphasis and, and those statistics and those things, um, you know, making sure it aligns with how we want to play in the exciting brand of, of football we want to play on offense. Audrey Snyder, and then we'll go to Mike Gross. Hey, James, good afternoon. Too, um, I want to go back to the offense and Yursich. Um, last year, it was so much about getting the verbiage on the same page that you wanted to blend to try to make it easier. Um, just to be clear, will there be any blended elements with it this time around? Um, and you mentioned philosophically what excites you about it. Um, how much is tempo part of, of that? Maybe your level of excitement with it. Yeah, I, I guess what I guess what I would say to you is. Um, you know, a few years ago, you know, we were running the spread. We were mixing in tempo. We were doing a bunch of those things and, and had it and had a, a lot of success. And then obviously with, with the decision that we made in the last hiring, um, you know, cycle, um, that was a little bit different than, than his background. So that's where we felt like the, the blend had to happen so that we could balance those two things and making sure that we were still, you know, running a similar offense that we had run in the past. Um, so this this hopefully is going to get us a little bit closer back to that, um, to, to who we want to be and, and what our philosophy is on offense. It, it aligns more with, with where we're at. Um, but yeah, tempo, tempo will be a part of that as well. 
All right, so that is James Franklin on the hiring of Mike Yurcich and the offense. Now, of course, I I related to everyone that uh, I had a text exchange with uh, James on Christmas Day, as a matter of fact. And uh, in his text, he was telling me how he was able to surprise his family on Christmas Eve and uh, everything that he went through to to make that happen. So he talked today about how his family is doing and moving forward. Yeah, so it, it was obviously, you know, really good time. Um, you know, I had to I had to take uh, two tests, um, a PCR and antigen test the day after, you know, our season ended. And then I had to quarantine for five days and then took two, two tests as well, antigen and PCR, and felt like, you know, based on our daughter's doctor, uh, that was the best way to make sure that 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 I was going there and and was you know was safe. Uh, so by doing that, I was able to get to see them on Christmas Eve. Um, they didn't know I was coming, so it was a it was a pretty cool surprise to show up and and, and be with my family. Um, so that was great. You know, we spent the last couple weeks with each other, 24 hours a day, because my family has not left the property. Uh, essentially in eight months, we had the groceries delivered and all those types of things. So it was really good uh, for my daughters. It was also good for my wife and they allowed her to have a, a break uh, for a couple hours a day. Um, the next step is, you know, not a whole lot has changed, you know, uh, when it comes to COVID right now and not a whole lot, you know, has changed in our country and, and specifically in, in central Pennsylvania. So our next hurdle is when are they going to be able to come here? Um, Cause I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, you know, the other issue is depending on where we get with um, the vaccine from all the reports and all the studies and all the people we have talked to uh, children have not been cleared for the vaccine yet so you know that's part of it and then the other thing you don't know is even if you do get vaccinated uh there's not a whole lot of information out there yet is can you still be a carrier so right now there's not a whole lot new in terms of you know making sure that that my family and specifically my daughter is protected from this Um, but we have talked about that if they if they do come um that i i could you know, stay separate from them. You know, we have a like a little room over the garage that maybe I would stay there separate from them while they're here and, and not have any contact with them. So that's the next hurdle for us is to try to figure out how we can get back together as a family. Uh, but they're doing good. They're doing school online, and and that's been that's been good. And um, as much as as much as a family, you know, uh, can be good when they're. You know, they haven't played with anybody. Uh, they haven't, you know, been able to do any of those things for, for a long time. So I think they're driving each other crazy. My two daughters, they love each other, but only so much. You know, you can only take so much of your sister. Uh, you can only take so much of your mom. They were they were really excited to see me for the first couple of days. And by the end, they were ready for me to go back to work. Um, but um, but I appreciate you asking and, and, and they're good. But the next step is how can we figure out how to get back together as a family. Oddly enough, there were no questions about the Eagles coaching job today. All right, we'll come back with uh, more in a moment. Just trying to keep you included in the program somehow. Thank you. You know, 
meanwhile, I, for some odd reason, I keep trying to talk about things that the audience is actually interested in. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. 2021 has begun, and this is the perfect time to make sure you're protecting what matters most. Whether it be you, your family, or your business, we have the experience and knowledge you need to help navigate through the process. Our office remains available to service our new and current clients by phone at 570-286-5855, by email, and by appointment. Purdy Insurance, what can we do for you? that Boston? It is. Wow. All right. But I don't want Boston coming to Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) If that's where you're getting at. Hey, all I know is you had Terry Francona, the Red Sox got him, and they won two World Series, and that's exactly as many as the Phillies have won in their entire history. All right, so, sorry to bring up facts, Oh, whatever. I can care less about the Phillies. Okay. He's won more World Series in this century than your team has. Now that is true. I know. I deal in facts. <laughs> hey, come on, man. To quote uh, the incoming president, come on, man. You know that moment where he has, doesn't know what to say? <laughs> come on, man. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to say next. So instead of say ah uh, or um, I'll say come on, man. Uh, <laughs> that's what ah uh, and um means. You're trying to form a thought at that point, and that becomes filler. For us, filler on this show is when we discuss the suit, the ultimate filler. Exactly. I'm the perfect filler. What are you talking about? Everything I do is perfect. Now, is high school basketball back and playing? Yes, we've been back for uh, this is about the last uh, two weeks or so now. Wow, that's great. And so far, no problems. That has been the interesting part about this to me, that transmission has not happened in games between athletes. You'll play games, and suddenly one team has, quote, an outbreak. I'll give you one, Michigan, Michigan football. Penn State was the last game they played. It did not translate to Penn State. That happened repeatedly. Remember when the Tennessee Titans got into a problem? Didn't Did not translate into the opposing team. I can't remember who they were playing. The Phillies played the Marlins. It didn't translate. The Phillies tested negative the entire time. They missed games out of precaution because nobody knew. But that's been interesting to me. Teams playing against each other, then one has an outbreak, and it's amazing how it is not translated to the other team getting it. Have you noticed that? I don't know why. I'm not a doctor, and I do not attempt to play one on the radio. That's left for the corner office.